Good day guys, my name is Roland A.D. aka Linkopa Daddy. Welcome to another special episode of my podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed the last one which is titled Are We At The Mercy Of Bad Luck? I really await your reviews and tell me what you think. You can send your reviews to my email at rolandademoayao.co.uk I'll take that again. rolandademoayao.co.uk And uh, honestly, it's been a while since I made a podcast and I'm kind of excited because making a podcast is like a medium in which i express my thoughts and my thought process how i feel about things and so today i'll be sharing with you guys something that is very dear to me and i'll be doing it alone i have a friend of mine with me he'll be introducing himself his name is i did the nature uh, what i did the nature Okay, his name is Adi Dinacha. I'm sure you guys said that. Oh, we'll be we'll be focusing basically on what it means to be African. Because I found out that a lot of us African people, like I'm from Nigeria, and a lot of we African people, we, we don't really know so much about our culture and all. So I guess we'll be using this avenue to learn a little bit more about Africa and a little bit more about our culture. And since I'm Yoruba, I guess we'll be talking a little bit, a little bit more about the Yoruba culture. And so, Adin Nature, or did I get that right? You did. Adin Nature here is kind of an expert on African culture. Yeah, it took me a long time to actually book this my guy here. It's actually like a big deal for me though. I didn't know thank you for being here on my podcast. Yeah, thank, you, thank, thank you, thank you. Okay, thank I didn't know My first question is what does it mean to be African? What to be African means to be proud of your ideals, your culture, your roots, to be proud of who you are, to be mentally free, to be culturally free, to follow your own ideology and to forge your own path ahead as a man because that that is what it means for a man as a member of any race to do once you call yourself european it means you must center your life towards an european pattern you must be european mentally culturally economically socially you must invest in and that, all it and that means to be European, European, yeah. That's why I mean, you see, you see, um, certain people, you see Jews, for example, Jews, a, a Jewish man will be like, yo, I can only eat from a Jewish restaurant. I can only buy a Jewish suits. I can only bank at Jewish banks. But by doing this, they actually boost and help their their own communities even to this day you have jews who give out money to their own communities and they give out money without collateral to their own people to help them their young minds their geniuses build and be better and that is what's actually reaching them it's actually very hard to get money out of the jewish communities because it circulates around them and as an african i feel we need to center things more. We have to be more African-centered. I'm not saying we shut out the rest of the world, but okay. we learn, we evolve, we adapt. And at the same time, we 
actually make ourselves more African-centered. It's not just about wearing a dashiki. You can wear a dashiki and still be a Negropian. Still be a Negro. What, what did you call it? I said a Negropian. A Negropian. Okay, a Negropian is basically a person who an African. African by skin, but European I mean, by mentality. yeah, me, by mentality. So you mm. have this kind of black skin, white mindset mentality going on. You I, see, I, I, sorry, let me do put. I guess that is what most of us are kind of. But yeah, in, true. This is because because of globalization. True. I want I want not like to judge anyone because of globalization. I think most of us we have this European mindset. You know, we dress, we dress, we listen to European music and. We are already forgotten like our roots, mm. and that is the importance of this podcast. Like the main aim of this podcast, what it means to be African. I after this podcast, I hope like you'll be able to adjust some things about yourself. Okay, the thing is, when it comes to being a Negropian, it's not just about wearing suits. I've I've seen men in suits. I've seen men in suits do great things for the black communities. You you go to places like Harlem. In the United States, yeah. you see people like Malcolm X, or okay. you see people like Muhammad Ali. Okay. You see, yeah, which like all wear suits. You see Malcolm Garvey. They wear suits, but these men did things for the black communities. You go to America today as a black man, as a migrant, as an African, but the things, the blueprints, these men laid down, are part of what you're enjoying today as a black person. If these men didn't like pull these things, like go through these things sacrifice for their communities as an african you can't go there and enjoy these things today as a black person because people try to make this um distinction okay yeah as an african i'm a con- I, I, we just place labels we'll be like oh yeah is a jamaican oh yes african-american i know but the thing is there are just two things there you have continental africans we here okay born here uh, ancestors here and then you have non-continental Africans the Africans who either migrated or slavery. were taken by slavery you have yeah, the two migrated or taken by slavery so those are the two kind of non-continental Africans so we Africans try to separate ourselves from the non-continental Africans but the thing is the reality is it's still the same reality which we face so I, I think it's the non-continental Africans that try to separate themselves for we Africans. The thing is, we Africans too have okay. made them feel like they're mm. not wanted. Because okay, you see, you see, us. yeah, you see a lot of Africans who use the term Akata, say derogatory stuff like that to them. Okay. And the thing is, the some of these non-continental Africans actually want to learn about their culture. I saw this um, African American woman. She traced her ancestry, and she believes. Our first ancestors who were taken as slaves were actually of the Yorubaris, okay. and they were from the Anyo family, drummers here in West okay. Africa. This kind of made her just want to connect to that, like that aspect of her culture. Okay. And she learns how to play the drum, learns paid for classes, learned how to speak Yoruba, and all. And okay. she was talking about some of our, like some of the things she went through as. In non-continental Africans, how Yorubas she tried to befriend were rather rude, were rather xenophobic, tribalist to her, mm-hmm. to an extent, and it made her feel rather hot. 
Someone, oh, okay. yeah, it, it, it happens actually on a daily basis. Like you see Africans, non-continental Africans being rather rude, being rather cruel to non-continental Africans and it's rather insane. And these continent, non-continental Africans have this kind of reality like, oh yeah, every African on the continent actually hates us, but it's actually a lie. Okay, let, let me ch- let, let me let me just um, put um, put this as a form question. I have been um, to the United States okay. on vacation or something like that, and then I've met black people there, and the way they treat me. Funny how the way they treat me when I like you have a conversation. I tell them oh, we are from Nigeria, and then there's this look, there's this look, or oh, do I say there's this demeanor that they express that is derogatory. Oh yeah. They look at you like, oh, they don't see you as a black fellow black person. They see you as, oh, you're from Africa, or you be from Africa, like you're from a less privileged part of the world, and you guys still use hot. Precisely. And then when you, I speak to them and they hear me speak good English, and this it, they start to get puzzled and they're confused because that's not that's not that's not the mental picture they painted of a a person from Africa. Yeah, true. And then when you say something smart or something. Maybe you guys are engaging in a conversation maybe about let's say something like maybe the, the history of Rome and you say something maybe you, you say something really smart about something like Julius Caesar and then they start to get puzzled because they don't expect you to have that amount of knowledge. Mm. So I feel like do as much as I would like to believe that we are Africa, we are one. Mm. We are also kind of not one. Mm. Because I don't know how long it will take for mm. someone abroad, like you call them, and because that's what people could they call them a kata, that's what they actually call would would take to see me that comes from Africa as a brother, as a fellow African brother. They won't. All they see me as is oh this person is from is from uh, Africa. I mean some of them don't even know Africa has like different countries. They just believe that all of us are Africa. Mm. They don't know like there's Nigeria, there's Benin Republic, there's Ghana, there's Tanzania. They just feel like, oh, you're from Africa. Oh, I know a friend in Africa. D- like, do you know Kwame? And I'm like, I'm Nigerian. You, I, I can't know Kwame. Kwame is like a Ghanaian. Mm-hmm. And you understand? They, they have almost, would I say, zero knowledge about mm. about Africa. It's almost like they do not care. Mm. So I feel like that is also a problem. Like they not caring, they are only focusing on their like their own continental part. Like oh, we we are black in America or in Canada or something, and we have to focus on our own problems here, which they should. But I also feel like all of us have the same problem, and the problem is the color, the pigment of our skin. But if we are if we are like fighting the problem divided. It is not effective. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. It is not effective. So I want you to to tell me basically like what what ways you think we here the as you describe the non-continental Africans and the continental Africans how we could actually merge you understand to be more effective to solve this problem and to be more cultural. So the thing is this as africans there is this um 
a lot of non-continental Africans actually share this form of ignorance other non-Africans share about Africa. You see children wasting food in America and then you see whites saying, oh yeah, stop wasting food. You know, they're starving in Africa and they make it seem like everyone is starving in Africa. Okay. And the thing is, non-continental Africans were actually educated by non-Africans because they're living... Sorry, come come back with that. A lot... Non-continental Africans were actually educated by non-Africans in these countries. Like, non... So Europeans, like, like Europeans, Europeans educate, educated uh, European form of education European form of education is the form of education you see non-continental Africans using okay. so and due to we've been apart for over 450 years okay it's the reality the Europeans show them they believe in okay and all of them have never been to the continent they don't know how things are so it's what it's what they show and what they portray in the media okay it's what they see other europeans say they would also pass on okay all of them have never been to the continent and we we try so hard we try so so hard to act like non a love like africans and non-continental africans have never really united but when you see in history in the summer of 1935, okay. uh, you see um, African Americans actually supporting um, it, uh, supporting Ethiopia, okay. ensuring our sovereignty remains. When uh, the even when Italy tried to invade uh, Ethiopia, a lot of African Americans raised our voices raised awareness back then there was there was this form of love and brotherliness between continental africans and non-continental africans did you know malcolm x actually came to nigeria no i did not he actually did come to he came to nigeria so so what what changed the thing is the thing is as time went on we as africans when when nigerians went to um, America and they saw the Black Panther they were they were impressed like they were impressed because the reality was different here due to colonialism okay it was like some Africans already programmed it in their mind not to fight back not to do things okay but when they got to America they were shocked to see to see people fight non-stop against brutality against oppression it was mind blowing to them, and they started calling African Americans Akata. Akata is a Yoruba phrase here in Nigeria, in the within the Yoruba people. We call a person a freedom fighter Akata, and it oh. simply means wildcats. A wildcat. Oh, that is the really meaning. Like- a wildcat. A wildcat. A wildcat is a wildcat can stand up before any form of animal. Okay. To fight back, it's not scared. It's tough. It might be smaller than the bigger cats, but still, it won't let it bully. Bully it. It will fight. It would. And then the term Akata just became 
it frees for it frees for a freedom fighter. It frees for someone who would steer and be like, I'll fight for justice. And then when they got to America and they saw the whole Black Panther, a big cat, they just started calling them Akata. You know, for me, I actually and then it's metamorphosed into this form of derogatory slow. Exactly, that is what I know Akata it's, to it's, be. It's it's actually a good a good phrase. It's a good term. It's just like use. how you, but, you we use malam here. Yeah, precisely. And, we, and, we, and then to find out that malam means teacher. Yeah. And then to see that people. Yeah, you see, you see, you see people say, insult. you see people say, um, every malam is git, every malam is yeah. ketu, uh, every malam is suya, okay. and they say things like that, like all Londoners are meant to be at the gates. Hmm. But it's just how people behave. Actually, things okay. evolve, but. In the beginning, you see a whole of Africans, Nigerians migrating there, and they had this form of respect for African Americans. Okay, but, but basically, we are still talking about what happened, like the gap, like you said before, African Americans were kind of supporting and trying to unite with Africans. So what happened? What happened in between? What caused the I'm, I'm looking forward to express this this what caused the gap mm. between African because right now there's there's no unity between continental and non-continental Africans and I feel like that is a major problem because if they are united and when we have a problem in Africa here non-continental Africans you understand the support and then when you have a movement like Black Lives Matters you understand Africans to support you understand not like oh 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 man to his problem because i feel like we kind of need each other right now because whether you like it or not one thing i notice about europeans they are very united yeah true when they wanted to um have the amalgamation that's the sharing of africa all these countries they came together to sit down to actually share africa they were united true. they were in support and i feel like that is one thing we, we lack as the as the black nation yeah we be lacking it even look at a country like nigeria we are having the eighth main issue right now and there's a lot of division in the country and then the Aosa people don't really like the evil people and the yoruba people don't really like the evil people and the evil people don't really like the yoruba people and everything is just very kind of disorganized so what can we do to strengthen to strengthen the core of African unity. Okay. The thing is, like FBI director in July to on July to 1964, FBI director J. Edgar Hoover described the unit described the unity mm-hmm. of afro-american unity afro-american and afro-african unity as a threat to the national security of the united states as a threat to the to the national security of the united states at that point you add leaders like malcolm x who pushed the ideology of any means necessary to ensure the liberation of the black race any means necessary Instead championing the black man getting shotguns, getting rifles, okay. because the black man was his life was it was as was at risk. And at this point, you begin you, you start seeing African Americans just like Fela said, Baba Fela said. He said when he went to America, mm-hmm. 
He said he saw them in dashikis, mm-hmm. and then he was mind blown. Like he's the African here. He feels he's more he's more connected to the roots, and still he's in suits, and still these people are in dashikis, in agbadas, walking around, being all proud. But beads, they are not connected. And necklaces. They, he actually said they, they were more connected oh, okay. than he was actually at that point. Okay. Back then, you see Africans with the Afro. The Afro was a really sh- was, serious thing. Okay. When you Afro, symbol. it was a symbol of liberation. Africans went afraid, went hitting their hair, unlike mm-hmm. now. Africans were proud of their roots, proud of their color, proud of their complexion. Bleaching wasn't a thing. People loved themselves for the way they were. And you have to understand something. Even with the colonization of Africa, it has always been pitting strong African empires against one another. This has been a major reason why the Europeans were able to conquer us. Divide and conquer. Precisely. You see people like Shaka Zulu waging wars against other South African tribes, conquering them. But by doing this, it was actually aiding the Europeans unknowingly. And it's actually still something we still do till this day. It's it's a form of colonial legacy, honestly. And it's something we need to decolonize our mindset on. Like that's like to stop fighting each other precisely like baba kwame nkrumah said he said we need to create the united states of africa hmm. okay and that was you know the monrovia and the casablanca uh block that some 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 sects decided oh we don't want that we want to integrate more or wealth we want economy we're not we're not bothered about power we're not bothered about security and they left and some sect went with baba kwame and they were like we want to be free we want to be independent we're tired of being dependent on these people we're tired of being pulled around okay and that's the thing and i feel the thing with we blacks is Decolonization is very, very important for us because to, to, to desensitize and to be free, mind. basically, because we still have we still have invisible hands, invisible strings controlling and directing the future of Africa as an Africans worldwide. If you feel your situation is different from the African in Haiti or the Haitian, you're, you're joking. Wrong. You're wrong. If you feel your situation is different from the man from Jamaica, you're wrong. If you feel it's different from the African-American, you're wrong. Because it's the same situation. Everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. You have the same nappy hair just like he does. You have the same thick skin like he does. You have the same dark skin like he does. You have the same thick broad lips like he does. It's thick full lips like he does. It's still the same thing. They see you, they see an African. You can decide oh i'm a, oh i'm nigerian i'm different from him but it's a lie you're the same hmm. you're the same no let, let, let me quickly add something um i um i i when i was in uni yeah i i did like a kind of mini project on james baldwin and then i i had to 
uh, read his debate which he gave at Cambridge, I think at 1960. And then he was basically emphasizing how black people were, were being divided. True. And why they shouldn't pledge allegiance to a country that is not pledging allegiance to them. That's he was basically tackling the what I call it, the racism in America. Yeah. But he was also saying it, it was also make, sending a warning that while we people there, that's day day, were thinking this problem was just in America, it's a worldwide problem. Mm. And everybody should join hands mm. to try and stop it. Yeah. Because you know, someone like um, James Baldwin, uh, me so rest in peace. He, he was, he was, he was African. Yeah. He was African to the core. He was trying to make sure. He was. He saw what we didn't see now. You understand? Yeah. He saw what. Sorry. He saw what we are just seeing now. You already saw the problem. Like, and this is 1960. You already saw the problem. Like, okay, one of our major problem is the division mm. of we Africans at home here and africans abroad yeah we need unity precisely we need unity I, I feel like i i really agree i feel like if we cannot decolonize our mind mm-hmm. and start afresh and start to see oh like this person is black this person is my brother yeah you understand not like oh this person i mean i know it's a long way because we are even black people here in nigeria here and you can't even call an awesome and your brother. Talk less of someone in Texas or someone in Michigan is going to be very difficult. Yeah, true. But I feel like that is where we need to start from the difficult part. Yeah. So, well, do you have any other things to add? Yeah, the thing is, as Africans, I feel we need to come together and we need to build our own, we need to build our own thing. We need to build our own economy. Okay. For example, in 1921, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, okay. Greenwood District, the African Americans united together, saved up, and they built the Black Hole Streets. Wow. But however, on May 31 that year, the, the Black Hole Streets became so great and so powerful. Mm-hmm. The African American was becoming richer than the European in America. Wow. And the European feared they would build an African-American nation in America. Become so too powerful. The, so I'm guessing they, they found a way to, to stop it. Precisely. However, on May 31, in 1921, the Tulsa Tribune reported that a black man, Dick Rowland, attempted to rape a white woman, Sarah Page. Without investigation, without proof, 35 city whites and Ku Klux Klan members came to the area and they burnt the entire city to the ground. Millions of millions of dollars lost, businesses lost, people died, people were injured, and it went up in flames. And today, you know the Black Hole Street. You know the Black Hole Street as Wall Street. Come, come again. The what? They made the Black Wall Street as Wall Street. And today, you know a new place as Wall Street, rather. 
Oh my god. So that, the black people had the first Wall Street. Yeah. It was known as Black Wall Street. And now we have Wall Street. We have Wall Street. Oh, this is this is very deep though. So I tell you this. I tell you this. I tell you this. Wall Street, Black Wall Street boasted of it boasted of the Black Wall Street boasted of economy, boasted of very very strong economy. Tulsa, where it was, boasted of boasted of banks, hotels, cafes, clothiers, movie movie theaters, and contemporary homes. But this is the thing: regardless of what we build today, mm-hmm. you would always see people of another of the other race try to take it down, try to go behind it, and try to make sure it doesn't succeed. We blacks see this thing as, oh yeah, it's them paying traitors amongst us to to run it to down. run it down, but it's actually them still working against us. So I feel we need to come together on a very strong frontier. The reason the Asians were not dominated by the Caucasian, I mean they were also colonized, but the reason why they found it hard to colonize these people was because they were never mentally colonized. They centralized on their own economy, on their own teachings, on their own language, on their own philosophies. And as Africans, I feel we need to come together, even if needs be, create our own language, if we want to. Let me quickly quickly tip in on what you said. Mm -hmm. Like in China, you know, I think China was colonized by uh, United Kingdom, that's Britain. Mm -hmm. And to no- notice that the Chinese people never dropped their cultural dressing. Yeah. Unlike how we did it in Africa. Yeah. They never they kept on putting on those robes mm-hmm. and tying their shoes the way they did and everything. It didn't change them. Mm-hmm. And their hairstyle didn't change. Their look didn't change. But here in Africa, I don't know. We we quickly we quickly embraced the white man's culture. Yeah. Here in, in, in Africa, as an African, the self-hate is so strong. You see uh, a woman with nappy hair and they call her crazy. You see, you see, you see the phobia some people have for people with locks. Or the, even, even the melanin problem, like we have people bleaching, which is yeah, true. a very big problem. It's a very big problem. You have, as an African, you need to be proud of your, your, your melanin. You need to be proud of it. You need to be proud of your, your blackness. Your, your you need to be proud style, of your, your hair. Nose, your, hair. your hair isn't ghetto. It suits you. It's of your culture and it suits you. You should be proud of your race, your roots, your hair, things that stems from. I mean, yeah, you want to shave your hair, it's fine. But it shouldn't be to the point where it's all, I hate my hair so much, I don't want it on my head. Yeah. That's that is a very serious problem. I hate black hair so much I don't want to see it on other black men. That is a very serious problem. And I feel that's something we need to tackle. Self-hate within us. It's very inherent within within we Africans and we need to let go of it. We need to let go of this. I, I, I wouldn't even lie. There was one time I watched an American movie and Americans black Americans were trying to make their hair like in the in the texture of a white man's hair like i don't know how they did it but 
when you look at them, the hair has this texture, this softness and tenderness of a, of a white man's hair. I'm like, what, what's, what's up with that? I mean, and what I find really harmful about that is, have you ever realized this? When... When... Have you ever realized this? When you go to salons, hair salons yeah. to or perm your hair, Okay. The lady never uses her hands directly. Mm-hmm. She uses gloves, very yeah. thick gloves, because what you're using is very harsh. If it touches your skin, it burns it off. So I'm, I'm like, why would you apply this to your scalp? And you see a lot of women complain about, oh, I'm bald in alopecia, but you keep perming your hair. You mm-hmm. keep hurting yourself just because you want to have this fox you eurocentric appearance and that is a problem we need to tackle as an african it's and they you see people lie oh it's protective styles but i mean braids are protective styles you could braid your hair it's there's nothing wrong about braiding your hair it's a protective style and it's not ghetto and i mean that's that's something well thanks a lot I did nature. I hope I did nature. I did nature. I'm yeah. so very sorry. I hope I, I hope you guys learned a lot from this episode. I'm really proud to be African and I'm proud to be able to spread the gospel of Africa. I'm literally folding my hand now, like go Africa. Actually, like this is a really big, big, um, big win for me because I've always been like trying to push Africa out there and try to be more African and then thank you all for listening i hope you guys learned a lot you can send me your reviews at my email which is rulandadmoayao.co.uk and if you ever want to check me out on social media my social media is at adedinature a-d-e-t-h-e-n-e-t-c-h-e-r adedinature a-d-e-t-h-e n-e-t-c-h-e-r that's my instagram and that's my twitter okay guys that's the end of this episode and this is the end of this season actually so just anticipate next season i'll be having a duo for my podcast featuring i won't tell you guys yet but an absolutely fantastic female will be having a fantastic five episode podcast for you guys thanks a lot for listening my name is Roland Eddie aka Link Copper Daddy bye